and welcome to Shakespeare, the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer today. We're talking about the themes and finer points of Coriolanus. You can find us at our website, shakespearepod.com, our network at ghostlightmedia.net, and you can support the show by donating at patreon.com slash ghostlightmedia, or by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. And now, on with the show. We haven't had a good contentious one of these in a while. You know what we also haven't had in a while? Make Cassie drink this beer. Yeah. Make Cassie drink this beer. Make Cassie drink that beer. So tonight, tonight's Make Cassie Drink This Beer is our first sponsored Make Cassie Drink This Beer. Big ups to, to Chris over at Ice Tier for providing a bottle of Forgotten Realms, nice. uh, one of their fantastic brackets, for this, the Shakespeare podcast. That's he right. gave it to Chase one time when Chase was picking up beer, and he goes, I know your wife doesn't like beer because I listened to the podcast, which, okay. Shout out to I've Chris for, for you know, fan of the show, yeah. friend of the show. Um, so he provided this for me to try. Um, I've been told there's champagne in it. It is a champagne style. It's a bracket. champagne. Bracket. I don't know what that means. Uh, it means it's uh, champagne yeast. It's going to be lighter in you know body, and it should be. It'd be more interesting if it was like champagne mixed with beer. No, that uh, sounds gross. Bra- no. A braggot is a is a mead beer um, combo. This is when I thought I was smelling clementines. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say, yeah, you might get some citrus off of that, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Cassie is smelling it. Drink it, drink it, drink it, drink it. Drink, 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 drink. Beer drink. pressure. Oh, it's a good face. Oh, that's a great face. It's a face. good face. It's a face oh. for radio right there. There's it's a too much happening. Face. I don't know what's going on on my taste buds right now. Take a second sip. Find out. <laughs> I agree with Beth. Come on, he agreed. You know you have to do it if Beth and I both agree. Is that how this <laughs> game works? I don't feel Ooh, like that's how this no, game works. No, that's a bad idea. First of all, nobody should do anything that both Ryan and I agree on. Um, because it's <laughs> you need to get usually, one of you need to get one of you as a voice reason. Okay, I. <laughs> Neither one of us is the voice of reason. So, ever. so the most successful beer from this game is the one where I was willing to take two sips of it. I am going to take a second sip of this, but it's not because I'm like, oh, I feel like I should take a second sip. It's because I feel like I need another sip to understand what's happening that I don't like. Oh, good. Yeah, that's how. Which I is better beer than too. most beers because most beers, it's like that's gross. Get it away from me. A skunk threw up in my mouth. Well, so <laughs> then, so then, then Chris did good. Yeah. It's better. Better face. That's a better, better face. face. It's contemplative. Face. She's getting closer to enjoying it. I like the parts of it that taste like mead, and I don't like the parts of it that taste like beer. I feel like she might even take a third sip. So, you know what I want this to be? She's going to drink that whole beer. Made. I want this I to be so. mead. No, she... I'm going to drink this whole oh. beer. Man, I was really but hoping no, she okay. was holding on to it. I was. You know, Look, I, I also wanted her to drink this whole beer because this is 12.9 by volume. Yeah. Uh, you want me Chase, to drink Chase, the whole thing? We got you this, drunk wife. I, Chase, look. <laughs> Alan, Greenlee, you know we're not allowed to drink that high of proof on this show. I'm gonna. <laughs> he doesn't have to You're go anywhere. You're also gonna sleep in the other bedroom right. tonight. He never has That's to fine. go anywhere. He just falls asleep during the middle See, of the okay, show. See, okay, here's the thing. Most beers... I'm about to get put on blast right now. No, not... <laughs> I was talking about me, not about oh. you. I thought I, I okay. Oh, we can have her put you on blast if you want. <laughs> yeah, I will. This. Tell me about his no, terrible most habits. <laughs> most beers, I don't like the first sip, and then I hate it more as I swallow. And with this one, I hate it less as I swallow. <laughs> They're making it dirty. I know. I'm used to that the general. <laughs> Oh, is anybody? And they're not here for me to like to fire air ties at either. No, Chase just starts snoring a lot when he has a lot to drink before he goes to bed. Yeah, oh, and he becomes he, he becomes very obnoxious. Some of us snore a lot anyway. Yeah. And and he yeah. lies down and goes to sleep in like look two and a half minutes, and it takes me bare minimum like twenty 
So it's a problem. Some of us have had broken so, nose before, so, you know. There there was a time in my life where I lived at this apartment we'll lovingly call the balcony. In which Ryan mm. Halfill, <laughs> co-host of the show, used to get drunk and pass out on our couch uh, frequently. In fact, he spent an entire summer living there. I lived um, there for a summer. Yeah. And our friend Mike would also get drunk and sleep there. And they would get a chorus of snores. It was like bulldogs fighting. No. Get out. (laughs) It was a snores. (laughs) You don't get to have this. Nope. You're already making bad puns. She wants to take it from from you and drink it. She's trying to... I didn't do the one that I said earlier. Oh, I want to hear, I want to hear that now. I Look, so here's the thing. I promised Cassie that I wouldn't say it, that I would give you the opportunity to find it, Beth. Because this one, right up your alley, and it's right there. I will save it for the end. Are, are you telling me that this play is Snorlanus? <laughs> no, but you That was close. real bad. Come on, Beth, you can be better. Chase, can you tell me now? Because I I will fixate until you tell me. (laughs) Please. I won't be able to do the show. (laughs) You can tell her, but I get to punch you. Yes. Yeah. She's gonna she's gonna punch you. Dinner and a show. So the show a lot of the tension revolves around a certain somebody withholding corn from people, Cornelanus. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have gone there. That one's fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, you. Oh, that's cold, Obi-Wan. Uh, so, I even I have a limit on my bad. So, um... Stand by it. Fun, <laughs> fun note. Um, I'm gonna, I'm giving it a four out of ten. Fun note before we get too deep in. So, um... For our anniversary, Hannah had gotten me a very small waffle maker and i accidentally how small like like made one mini waffle excellent so we're talking like like dollar pancakes uh no a little bit bigger than that uh grant like three inches across okay um and i accidentally i didn't realize where it was in the cabinet and i opened the cabinet and it fell it may still work (laughs) i have not tried but it did kind of fall apart a little bit um, so Izzy decided that for my birthday to replace it, that they should get me a bigger waffle maker. And so they got me a, an Avengers waffle maker. Good. And it makes four square waffles that have, one has the Hulk fist on it. One has Iron Man's mask on it. One is Captain America's shield and the other is Thor's hammer. And so... I have made... I would only eat the Hulk ones. I have made Avengers waffles, like, last two days in a row. Good. Well, I'm glad that you guys... That was a, my, my random-ass tangent, but I had to talk about how excited my kid was to give me that. Um, And then also how excited she has been to eat waffles for the last two days. Is everybody having breakfast for dinner a lot more often because you're tired of eating breakfast? Or you're tired of making dinner? I mean, I'm always I tired so, of making dinner. I'm so sick like, of cooking. It's the, it's weird- the biggest horrible thing nobody ever told you about adulthood is that you have to figure out what to make for dinner every single day. Every night. It's it, Cassie's it least stops. favorite question. Hey, what, what, do what do we want to do for dinner? What do you want to do for dinner? I've just grilled yeah. a lot. I've just been grilling a lot. I got a new grill, so. Well, uh, there was one point in time. Hannah gave us eggs from the chickens on her farm. Mm-hmm. And I had bought two dozen eggs because we had been cooking a lot of... I've been baking a lot because it's quarantine. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, and then the next days, like the next week's groceries came and it was another two dozen eggs in there because I hadn't expected ch- extra chicken eggs. We had like five dozen eggs in the fridge for a while. We ate a lot of breakfast for dinner. A lot. It's a lot of eggs. It's a lot of eggs. We ate them all. Ate them all. 
I made a lot of banana bread. Hope you didn't yeah. put them all in one basket like Tullus Aphidius did at the end of this play. <laughs> no, I did. I did. I don't even think that tracks. I don't feel like Tullus a, put all of his eggs in a basket. He did. He put them in the Coriolanus think, basket, and then Coriolanus got talked out of it. I feel like he was going to do this shit anyway. Coriolanus um, was or Coriolanus Tullus just, Tell us. He, he was, was always going to end like this. Downfall. It was always going to end like this. Their love yeah. couldn't sustain itself. What are we it was talking always about? Burn out and oh, yeah, we're talking that about Coriolanus. that bright burns so fast. Less than a day. We're talking. We're talking Maybe about two. Coriolanus here on the uh, what is it? Oh yeah, the Shakespeare podcast. Since we've already done, make Cassie drink this beer and then tangent it off multiple times since then. It's true. This is where we talk about Shakespeare and drink a whole lot of beer. This is uh, episode sixty-seven 67. of the Shakespeare podcast. I'm Ryan Halfhill. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Chase Greenley. I think the next time we come around for one of the Patreon-specific episodes, um, Chase and I need to record the pregame that we do for Shakespeare, which is while we're making dinner in the kitchen, I give him a really fast, like, ten-minute rundown of the plot. Like, a real Antony and Cleopatra treatment of the entire show. This is what happens. basically just highlight all of the dumb shit that goes down in this one. Like, let me tell you about the stupid stuff that happens in this one. This guy's we'll obsessed never believe with corn. what happened this time. So yeah, this is this is Coriolanus. Uh, obviously, this one is a, a bit contentious, more contentious than I expected this to be. So, and part of it is that I find, and it, I think I think it might just be what pulls us into a story. I am not pulled into the story if we start in a fight i need to know like i need character development before so a like, battle starts like or i don't the, give a shit you don't like the movie gladiator then it's my hot take nah, i haven't watched it in years i'm not a like it's not my favorite movie well i'm not there aren't that even parts favorite, that i go back like, to that it starts it starts with no, a battle. i don't really like it yeah and i, think- I mean and there are there are times that battles are what precipitates, but this, like, the exposition startup for this play, to me, could have just been two dudes talking at a bar. Like, it, but we have done that before. Yeah, that's more Why boring. Why didn't we do it this time? I prefer it. It's a, it's because a, it's I am a not an action-based... This was one I'm of not his a, later plays. No authorship questions? Not that no I'm aware of on this one, on no. This one. But no, this this is one of his later plays. This is actually written right around the same time he was writing Antony and Cleopatra. Um, and I think he was having me, a, a Rome, like a deep love of Rome. And I went into this knowing that Ryan really liked it, and knowing that Beth didn't like it. And I, it's fine. I don't have strong opinions on it one way or the other. To be perfectly honest, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact I don't really like war stories. Oh, that's, that's um, yeah. completely it's just, fair. It's it's not a narrative that I'm drawn to. It's part of the reason I didn't really like Antony and Cleopatra. I didn't really like Julius Caesar. I'm ambivalent towards a lot of the Henrys. And it's just because war stories are not stories that I find interesting. Right. I f- they're sloggy for me. It takes It's a slog to get through them. I want to know the rest of it. I fast forward through the fight scenes because I don't give a shit. And so I will say I mean, that I like Acts than... two through five better than Act one. I mean, it's in a lot right. more interesting than wandering through the moors complaining about Mister Darcy. They're not nobody the wanders through the moors in Austin no. novels. Uh, no, oh, fine. There's no, there's I don't no care. Moors. They take it's a nice sunny day walk to Meryton. Moors and Bronte. Moors and Bronte. Yeah, that's Bronte shit. I do like Brontes, though. <laughs> Which is why I'm actually surprised that you don't like the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, because they filmed it like it was a Bronte novel. So, my problem with that is that it's not Pride and Prejudice. Like, you've got Elizabeth Bennet sitting on a swing in a pig yard. It's as if she's not a gentleman's daughter, she's a farmer's daughter. You know what, else is, you no, know exactly. what else is not Come a Bronte on. novel, nor 
the 2005 Pride and Prejudice? Coriolanus. Would it be Coriolanus? Right. Of which there are actually so, a lot of really good adaptations. And I think unlike we the can check a bingo square five Coriolanus. with that one for a segue worthy of that. <laughs> Yay! It was a good segue. Um, in that it didn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> well, so Segways there, there are, are supposed there... to let you know what you're talking about the wrong thing. So we are hitting on a pin. Yeah, um, that's, that's I'm bringing up this which pin. Which is... Where should a story start? Okay. And this is a question, honestly, that many great writers struggle with. Well, and I think that it's all about how are you going to get the reader or the audience member, whoever is consuming the story, into the world? Um, are you going to drop them in and let them figure it out through exposition? Are you going to have one character who tells them, who who's new to the whole world, who... You learn about it alongside of, like, how are you going to do it? And in in this particular play, they decide that they're going to show you exactly what's going on. Um, and it, it doesn't start with a war. It starts with this fight for food. So we are set up with this idea that the main character, Coriolanus, is arguing against this that people being able to have access to food yeah mhm so we are set up that he's a dickwad that he yeah, is not yeah. for the people so think about shakespeare it's being performed in the globe right you've got all the the penny play the penny pay people in the the groundlings right they're all right there. They have a hard time getting food. Yeah, you're not food supposed is a daily to, struggle. You're not supposed so, to like Coriolanus, and that's that's what this starts with. Aphidius, who's the revolutionary, you know, leader of the Volsci, he's the one that you're supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be looking to him and siding with him. But but I'm introduced first to the Romans, and the Volsci are the enemies of the Romans. I'm told that. So I'm giving no characters who are empathetic. There's nobody I'm supposed to be rooting for. I have no well, until you start until you get to tell us until you get to tell us Aphidius being introduced. But that happens a lot in in all sorts of plays. Well, even with Tullus and Phineas being just, he is the leader of the bad guys. And well, he doesn't show up until well, no, more than halfway through the first act. Well, and that happens all the time, though. Your, your, your sympathetic character is not always introduced right at the beginning. So There's a lot of play, and even, plays and stories and books where the sympathetic character doesn't even come in until way later. He, Again, he I don't like those either. He's a sympathetic character because I don't know why he's fighting. He's fighting. He's against Rome. Well, he's fighting to defend his people. He, he he's standing for all the people that Rome was. Is Rome you know? Is Rome invading? Yes, that's well. That's the whole point. They go to attack the Volsci to steal their corn or but grain or whatever. Got, they but they've they been a constant war because Rome is encroaching on on the Volsci territory. That's what the whole thing. That's what the whole struggle is about. Is that the Volsci have been being attacked by Rome? That's how Ophidius and Coriolanus have fought each other so many times. But what I'm introduced to is a character I don't like and another character who's fighting against him. I want to root for the guy who might kill him, but in the end they have this love-hate relationship. So well, that's not as obvious in the very yeah. in the in their first meeting. It just did you ever watch the like the show Vice or any one of those cop dramas where the cop is a bad guy, like he's not good, he's a dirty cop. I'm not saying that Martius is a dirty cop, he's not, but he's not a guy I like. And so I have a hard time getting into plays or getting into stories where there is no person that I like. I don't like any of these people. And usually there's at least somebody who's like, oh, you know, I feel bad for that person, or I like that guy, or... He had some good lines. And Menius has some good lines. 
Well, I, say, I think, I, I think obviously... Obsidius has some good lines, and so does Coriolanus. I think the play is actually pretty well written. As far as but the, they're not the, the words likeable. themselves are well written in this play. Right, but I they're think not that... likable characters. I'm defending why I don't like the play. No, no, I'm, yeah, I'm not think... trying to... I'm not trying to say yeah. that you should. Well, I just I whatever. wanted you to know where I'm going with this argument. I'm not saying that it's not well written. I'm saying there's great lines in it, and I noted several that I'm like, ooh, that's a good line. And Menius is a great politician. His spin doctoring is on point. He gaslights the people of Rome to the point where they elect a consul who is against their own interests. He's good at it. Yeah, I He's great I think it. I think this this one especially is a a watch it don't read it like this this is one of those that's we have several of those that we've said that like this is a hey you know you can read this you can and read I, this and i tried to you know like two I gentlemen of watch. verona you could read that and still get your enjoyment out of it right but two yeah this one this one is a that's another one of those plays where i'm like oh this one's so stupid i love it <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, this is a this is a watch. This you have to watch it to get the actual yeah. experience of this play. And I tried to watch the Tom Hiddleston, um, and I got about halfway through it. And by halfway through, I mean I finished Act One, um, because that is halfway through the play. No, yeah, and, and not quite, but yeah. <laughs> and uh, again, I was like, I, how did you make me not care about one of the hottest British actors out there? I honestly, I literally could give two fucks about him. I I actually really recommend the 2011, which is um, Ray Fiennes and Gerard Butler. Ooh, and Brian Cox um, is Brian Cox is in everything. You don't even have to mention it. um, Brian Cox is in that one, and he plays Menonias. So he plays the politician. You've. You have my attention. Yeah, so <laughs> Ray, Ray Fiennes plays Coriolanus. Yeah, so I, I Butler think plays that... Tullus Aphidius. Brian Cox is in it um, as Menonias. So, I, like, I recommend that one. I, I think, think it's really good. I think Menonias might be the only character that I actually like. Um, And I think I only like him because he's... Like, I'm giving props. You're good at what you do. I like the way you talk. And also, King King T'Chaka from Black Panther um, is Cominius. King T'Chaka. T'Challa's dad, Black Panther's dad. I know, I was trying to remember, think if I could remember his name. Oh, he blows up. Spoilers. That's in, yeah, that's in Civil War, yeah. He blows up. Um, I'm pretty sure that's past the uh, statute of limitations. Yeah, I, I think I think we're we're past spoiler alert on that one. Um, um, I will still give spoiler alerts. We've given spoiler alerts for the plays; they're like 600 years old. Not, no, they're 400, 400 years, old. years old. But yeah, this this was one of his later works. There's no no authorship question. Like we're jumping into a lot of the pins, but they're kind of all yeah, part of this. We're pinballing around. They're kind of yeah, all part of this right here. This little discussion. About where do you start right. to play? Yeah, and I I understand. No, not not every main character has to be likable, but I agree with Beth that you need at least one character who is. You've got to have at least one character where you go. I want to see more of that person. I want to spend more time with that character because otherwise it just becomes a slog. I think likable. How do you like King John then, Beth? Because there's not a single like. Memorable or like so. There's not it a wasn't good that character it was, in that play. But there was no time in that play that I was like, "God damn it! Why am I still reading this?" No, that was me the entire I play with it. King John. Was it? I, I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, it's fine. This play's fine." It's well, fine. I think likable is also probably the wrong word. It's not you know you don't need a likable character. You need an empathetic character. I don't even you think you need that. Stick. You need you need a character that makes you feel something, whether yeah. it is. Extreme hate, hate or extreme like or you know, no, that's not even like I really I read a lot of Trump supporters and um I, I feel that in this so maybe that is part of the reason why when I'm actually sitting down to read it I'm like 
Oh God! Everything the, the that she says makes maybe, me feel maybe impacted. makes me feel gross. That's and I think honestly, a lot of this question also has to do with how you personally interact with stories because there are stories that are character driven and there are stories that are plot and action driven, and generally people will prefer one or the other. And I again, I'm with Beth. I prefer character driven stories, so I do need a character who's likable, not just memorable, not just makes me feel something. I read all of Jane Austen's books in high school. One of them was Mansfield Park. And there's not a single goddamn likable character in that entire story. And I felt very strongly. (laughs) He's really not. I felt very strongly about many characters in that story in that I had very strong hatred for them. (laughs) I know. I I really like a good break. And so Crawford up until the slimiest, most horrible. I can't stand him. I hate him. I hate him. I felt very strongly, but that didn't make it easier for me to read the book or make it more enjoyable for me to read the book. I had strong feelings, but I needed to have a positive feeling in with them. And instead, for me, it was just a lot of exasperation. See, I really like character-driven stories as well. I just think that I don't have to like the characters to have them drive the story. I feel that I need a connection. And sometimes the connection isn't that I like someone, but that I can understand them. And it's so far removed from anything I can understand. And it is... A lot of the characters are parroting sentiments from my life now. This is really hard because I'm a little drunk. They're, they're parroting sentiments <laughs> from my life now. No, that yeah. I really, really hate. And so hearing the characters say things from 400 years ago, about 400 years before that, actually longer than that, who knows, you know, a thousand so years about, before we've, that, we've talked about how they're progress- still shit I hate. We've talked about how progressive so. Shakespeare was. He was he's so progressive, he saw the future when he wrote this play. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It's also would... easy to find Trump in everything because it's... Yeah. What's well, the System. thing that's literally disgustingly pervasive? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Um, but so at, there are some really good adaptations out there of this. There's the Coriolanus from 2011, which is Ray Fiennes and Gerard Butler, like I mentioned. Um, 2014 is the Tom Hiddleston um, version that is currently streaming. Um, then there's the RSC, who. Uh, it's a 2018. I don't know if that one's even actually like been released or not. I don't not super familiar with people that are in it. You can pay like, to watch. You can pay to watch anything from the Royal Shakespeare Company. You can pay to watch all of it. That one. That I used one to have an entire to, box set. Yeah. Of the Royal Shakespeare Company's like all of Shakespeare's plays. I just don't. I don't know if it's actually been released yet. There's like actor information in IMDb, but not a whole lot else. Um, I'm, like what I'm saying is, you can go modernized. to the RSC website and you can yeah. you can pay to stream all of them. So I'm sure that you can see it. I'm sure you can watch it. It's just going to cost you money. And then there's a 2019 like um, as well. In 1979, uh, there's a, a hey Cassie. TV could you queue movie? up your um, your Oregon shakes? Oh, it's already up. Let's see, how often has the Oregon Shakespeare Festival done this as our kind of generalization? Our barometer. General yeah, barometer. it's a good barometer. They're one of the it most... It is. Um, this one is at the bottom. It's not the least, because that's still Timon and Titus, but this one has been done five times. Okay. It is. I gotta say, we gotta get... Timon of Athens has got to be produced more. It's I true. Well, we, it's, we, need it's people push, we need to push for more, more Timon of Athens... More two gentlemen of Verona and more, Absolutely. uh, more Winter's Tale. Absolutely, but um, this and one is on par. Wait, which play was it that had the really petty dinner scene? Timon. That was Timon. That's that Simon. That was Simon. That's, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I wanted to make sure before I Rock before soup. I said it. Yeah, Timon of Athens needs to be produced more. You got people throwing gold, thinking it's potatoes, or hoping it's potatoes. That is the best. The shit, like, the shades, like the the rock the suit dinner scene, scene where in that, he's like, he oh my throws god, fucking water in their faces and runs off into the woods. It's it's the best. But this it's one is best. in this one is in the second least performed tier alongside 
Troilus and Cressida, Pericles, King John, <gasps> and all three Henry the Sixths. So it's it's in it's right down there with the shit. Yeah. Pericles is another one of those like I don't want to go see that play, but I want to sit around and make fun of that play. See, I would I'm really glad I've read that play so that I can sit around and make fun of that the play. The right with I mean, it just so happens I would, that I can only do it with the three of you. I would do I would do Pericles. <laughs> I would do that I would do that show. Um I think we need to I think we need to come up with a somehow we we get everybody around and we do uh we just pull up a season of Shakespeare. We do Timon of Athens, Two Gentlemen of Verona, Pericles, and the Winter's Tale. Hey, yes. Toledo Theater is gonna come back someday. So and they're not going to have a, a ton of money. So let's shows. do a Shakespeare play. So these are my first two. I'll do one to the... I'll put one with uh, ACT. And I'll put one up at the Village. But yeah, that's the four shows. Because I'm not good enough right to there. get in at the rep. You gotta, do, you gotta do those four. That's that's the season right there. <laughs> what, what were the other two? Uh, Timon, Two Gentlemen, Pericles, and Winter's Tale. That's the Hell season. Yeah. That's the season right there. Shakespeare B sides. The B sides. That's what it's like, called. No, this is I don't like Winter's Tales a B side. I don't think Winter's Tales a B side. It is. It's well known, but it's it. not. It's not often performed. If she's I going, she's going, go to the spreadsheet. I'm going. I'm going. Go to the spreadsheet. Who wrote Parables? So. Um, Winter's Tale has been performed nine times. Wow. All right. All right. So I think Winter. I remember reading in my William and Mary. Winner's Tale. I can still remember reading it. Okay, well, that's our headliner, I, then. That's how we get them to... Yeah, we'll do Winner's Tale. Winner's Tale's first. No, I'm going to pitch it. There's Winter's Tale's the actual Winter's Tale's There's the actual B-sides. They're all going to need to do something in the public domain. Let Beth do it. No, here's what we got to do. We got to do a season that is R&J, Winner's Tale, and Much Ado, and have the same actor as the Friar in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more year on the village. Well, and, well, and then, the it, well, then obviously it has to end with two gentlemen of Verona. This is a different. Or no, show. well, actually, he'd be in no, the no, middle. No. Be... We need we need to stop this. This is an entirely different show. This is the show that happens once we're done with all of the plays, and if we give up <laughs> all of our good stuff now, fire. it's right. Okay. Yep. No. Let's... We have an entire two episode arc. We've got more than that. Nine, is the probably fire. just on the prior. But that's going to take some actual research. We got like yeah, four, this, we, gotta, we, we just we like four episodes of just talking about the prior. We prior grab chat. a play, we read prior the play, chat. we talk about the play, then we do oh, the like oh, themes no. and analysis. The Friars you, Club. You're infecting oh, me, oh, and I just ugh. had no. I just had the worst, the worst pun name for this in my head, and I don't want to say it out loud. Oh, I don't you want have to. to. Level. You do have to. Your choices are drink the beer or say the pun. Friarside chats. Ah, I love it. I'm so sad I'm so mad at myself. Oh, that's way better than mine. I'll allow it. Let's <laughs> write it down. We do Friarside chats with the Friars Club. <laughs> you need to make a Friarside chat set. Yep. Yep. Design now. Whew, okay, that's, so that's, that's two t-shirts designed to come Shakes, out of this. Shakespeare presents Friarside Chats. Uh, we'll have to spread those out over a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. That's a, we'll just, that's a quarterly. We'll, we'll we gotta do actual research for those. So this is, uh, we'll go to that, whatever the bar is, I can't remember which it is. Ice Tear. What is it? Ice Tear. Ice Tear. So that can be so, our live show. There it and is. Ice Tear. Oh, live show is Friarside Chats. There we mm-hmm. go. Where we... Sp- where we spin our most in-depth conspiracy-esque, they're not really conspiracy, our most uh, strange Shakespeare theories out there. Speaking of which, I'm it's drinking a, a fairy's fury from Ice Tear now. Yeah, that's good. Some good stuff. Yeah. I'm still, still Columbus Brewing Company, if you want to sponsor me, this summer teeth is super good. Super drunk. <laughs> okay, let's try and get back towards Coriolanus. So we've talked about adaptations. We've talked about where you jumped into a story. 
Yeah. The other two that we have here on the wall, we've actually already kind of touched on. Um, so one of them is in this corner, and that was just letting you guys duke it out. We didn't, um. we actually haven't been too bad this go round. You haven't. We got it out of and our system. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Coriolanus blows. Go fuck yourself, Beth. Usually by this point in the play, I'm like, hey, yeah, I can produce it. I can do it. I direct it. I do it. No, I don't want to. Now you're just There's being no part petty. of me that wants. I'm not. There are I, many okay, well, I, I shouldn't say now you're I'm being be petty. petty. I mean, you're always petty, but. I when we do when I do drama club with my students, you're bald. there we said obvious things. When I do drama clubs with my students and we read a play or we watch a play, <laughs> I ask them at the end, you know, now that you're familiar with the story, does anybody want to be in it? You know, what part would you like to play? And so I ask myself that question with a lot of the Shakespeare shows too. And the only part in this one I would have any interest in playing is Volumnia, just because I want to give those mom speeches at the end. Mit- like the Many's. angry mom speeches. Yeah. I am still a megalomaniac enough that Menias is the only one I'm interested Men- in. Menonias Agrippa for Beth, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've that's, already, it. that's it. I've already played the role in this that I would want to play. So. Ant-Man came to theaters and Mike and Ryan kissed on stage. It's true. That was the prophecy. But, well, week. no, the prophecy was that some, we would have an encounter in the bathroom at the small... Nobody wants After that. a screening of Ant Man, um, it didn't come. It didn't come entirely true. No, but we did. Uh, we did kiss on stage during this. Uh, this play, um, where Which... I played Telosophidius and he played Caius Martius. Um, uh, funny story that... during the matinee, um, we broke a sword. <laughs> During the sword fight, what sword did you break? The the uh, the scimitar that we were using that I was using to fight against Mike, uh, who was using stage render, it snapped in half during our fight. Oh, I was real worried about stage render for a minute. Oh no, no, that's fine. I still have it. it you should get it back from me because it's just been sitting here waiting for. Years now, um, it needs. Yep, let me get that needs... sword into my house where my children are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, oh. there's no stages around. It'll be fine. Oh yeah, there's no <laughs> stages at your house. There's only one person who stabbed my house, or the house I was living in, and that is Ryan Half. That's right, and he's done it twice. And the fact that it even happened once that is tracks. ridiculous. No, that tracks. That sounds that sounds about on brand. Yep. He stabbed my house with a sword. He Who does that? almost stabbed me with a sword once. Yeah, that was when oh. we met. Yeah, that was the first time I met Ryan Halfell. Was that Henry? Yeah. It was Henry Five, and I played the messenger who was like, Hey, can you let the French go get their dad even though we weren't gonna do that to you? And Henry Five like slams him into the wall with a sword against his neck. Um, and that was the very first rehearsal. Very first blocking rehearsal that I had. Yep, that was, was how Cassie and I met each here's other. Here's this six and a half foot tall Viking. He's got a broadsword and he's gonna shove you into a wall and put it against your neck. So, so it's amazing in, that we actually still talk to each other. It's true. You know, I was in that the show. The hell of a first impression. Who was in that show? Uh, me, your cousin Heather, and Sadie were together in that show. I have no fucking clue what character I played. You were one of the French. I have no idea. No, I played advisors. There was a French person and an English person, and he just swapped us and had us change sashes. I have no idea. Yes, no clue. Don't know the names. Couldn't tell you. I can remember that I played Anne Putnam in my high school production of The Crucible, but I have no idea who I was in Henry the Five. Henry the Five. Henry Henry the Five. Five. Yep. Had enough beers. We're done. <laughs> but yeah, our last our last pin from the wall, without getting into perm pins, um, is we've already touched on it. And how many tragedies do we sympathize with the main characters? I think it depends. Yeah, it really does. Um, so, I mean, Macbeth. Hold on. Name of the show. He is not the sympathetic character in that play. 
Incredible. No. But I do sympathize with him because I feel like he is pushed beyond what he actually wants by the people around him. I feel well, that you mean his wife. the outside influences, yes, by his wife. If it wasn't for his wife, if it wasn't for that prophecy he heard on the beach, he would not have done any of the things he did. All right, but either way, he is not the sympathetic character nor the hero of the play. So, all right, so tragedies. King Lear. I we already guess. talked about Lear. We already talked about it, and nobody liked Lear. I love Lear. I love that play. No, nobody liked play, King but I don't Lear like himself. Lear. Yeah. And I, that was, but I that's really did point. like the social distancing cartoon that you put up about King Lear. <laughs> yes. I've, I've yes. reduced my retinue. Can I stay now? Can I stay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all I asked. Uh, Julius Caesar, I don't sympathize with Julius yep. Caesar, but I do sympathize with Brutus. Brutus is who... Well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Who pulls me in. Now, the real question is, how many times is the main character of the play actually the name of the play? I was going to make that point, like, halfway through. I'm like, halfway through the play, which is still in the first act. Like, oh, there's not... Coriolanus isn't even in this play. Where the fuck are we going to get Coriolanus from? And then they dubbed him Coriolanus. I'm like, oh, yeah, that fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Let's see yeah, what else so, is I mean, a tragedy. I mean, Hamlet. Othello? I absolutely feel for Othello. Okay, so one. There's one. Pericles is listed in my list here as a comedy. <laughs> that tracks. It does. It scans. For sure. We think it's I funny. feel for Romeo and Juliet. I don't. You know I love Timon. Is that a tragedy? Simon. This time it's less considered a tragedy. A tragedy. Huh? He dies. Considered a tragedy. All right. Yep. Well, fair. Then I will say, okay, we've got two. We have Othello Titus? and we have Timon. Ti- what about Titus? Titus? Okay, so Titus, I do. I do sympathize with Titus. So there's three. All right. But so we've already three. named like five other ones that we don't. Yeah. So that's half, right? Is that math? Just sure. Three, three, close enough. Whatever. Quarantine math. Three, three out of eight. It's almost half. I mean, I'm but sure so we often... could go through each tragedy and, and, you know, talk about that more. But Right. So, I mean, it is pretty it is pretty common for the the main character of a tragedy or the you know, the name of the show to not be the person you like in the but show. But there usually is someone. I think someone. I think there is in this play as well. I think um the wife is a sympathetic character. I feel for her. She's not characterized no. well enough for me to the pro- call her the problem sympathetic. Is, is she does not do anything except for cry. I feel so this will take us straight into our agency of women. So we've got like both ends of the spectrum, honestly. Because we are mom... given three women. Yeah, one of we're given is... an overbearing stage mom. We're giving a weak and gaslit wife and we are given some sort of friend of the family i guess who really really need to be there she's the control in the experiment control she's not even a control because she wants to be the wife she would rather be the daughter-in-law of voluminous or whatever her name is well she's she's barely in it the she got the big boobs she's voluminous (laughs) But uh, she the the chaste gentlewoman I can't even remember her name is also starts with a V. Valencia. Um, yeah, that's who I'm talking about, Valeria. 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 Um, like she's barely in the play. She is. They're all so, barely are, in the play. I mean, the models well, in the play the most. Of those women tend to be on stage at the same time. Val- They're always Valonia. on stage at the same time. But Volumnia has the biggest presence. She like, takes control. She takes charge when she's yeah. there. So it doesn't matter how much actual stage time she has. She is in charge. You remember her. I wouldn't remember the other two at all. Yeah. And and as far as agency, she can browbeat her son into doing what she wants him to do. Okay. It's but not she great. Comes off it's as- not a great showing. It isn't. No. She gets what she wants, but how she does it is not great. The women in this play are not shown in the best of lights. No. No, that's that's fair. 
they're not specific. They're not shown as evil or wicked or you know particularly having. But because they they're not shown as all, themselves being negative necessarily, but they're not portrayed well. So, right. So we're given three women, all with a name starting with V, which harkens us back to like Vestal virgins, and gives us this idea that they're all linked together. It really connects them. The fact that they're all V names. I can't think of any other reason why you would do that unless you wanted them to all be connected and seen as one entity. Maybe it's maybe it's a correlation. Maybe he's going uh, for the old maid mother crone. Uh, maid mother crone. They're, they're that could be it. Three. They're you know they're not shown to be yeah. you know what because you know the the crone obviously Volumnia his wife is the mother and then you know Valeria is the maid I suppose. I don't know, it's not really indicated how, if she's, like, approximately the same age or younger or whatever. But, I don't know, maybe that's what he's going for. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just putting something in there that's not actually supposed to be. But... I just think they're, they're I mean, they're all supposed to be together as one. Um, and they're always like, together, course. like, you always see the three of them together. And we do this three-man chorus frequently in this play, like with the three servants and these three women, and we only have two senators, but we but also have many is usually, usually, yeah. yeah, he is in with them as well. So we've got these like three voices, three voices, three voices, which is interesting now that I think about it. Well, and three people that try to convince uh, Coriolanus at the end not to attack Rome, which is. Cominius, Menonius, and then Volumnia. That's your rule of three. Yeah. yeah. But, but three, three does happen. yourself into being interested in this play. Yeah, no. But I'm not three, three does happen quite a there bit are in this things, one. There are things, there are threads that I find interesting. I find it interesting when we, within the first scene, they talk about the auger again. In the first scene of Julius Caesar, we talk about an auger. So, again, we have a plot line that is pushed forward by cutting open birds and seeing what their innards say is going to happen. Um, we've got some great Yeah, we do some witchy between... shit in the beginning. But that's it. That's where it ends. No more witchy shit. Um, we've got some great parallels between the entrance into Rome. He does the exact same fucking thing again. So I guess it's not actually that interesting. But you do see the parallels there. Um there are some scenes that could be so cool, like when they shut him inside the gates. That's awesome. But that's mainly me wanting him to just die. So mm. so I have to ask you this, Beth. Um, we talked, I think, last time about making our, our each of our definitive Shakespeare rankings. Remembering that all of the Henrys exist. <laughs> Does this one make it into your bottom five, or is it hanging out? Yeah, this one's in my bottom five. I don't even wanna... with all the Henrys that exist. Well, re- you have to remember yeah. she does not put King John at the bottom. The... I don't put King John at the bottom either. It's He's definitely like bottom five. I don't think he, he hits be. one of my bottom five spots. Of course, all I don't think all... he's worth one of my bottom. Of course, five all spots. of the Henrys are above the bottom five. So, no, even Henry eight. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> no, not all. Henry, Henry eight and Richard five. two might. Well, no, Richard two though we get bowling broke. I don't know. That's hard. Anyway, keep uh, ruminating look, on a, this because there is an episode in might, bottom five. There is an episode. Have you in forgotten five. that Cymbeline exists? Like, oh god, yes, yes I had. Yes, we in fact had forgotten. Like Cymbeline. there are plays I don't like Cymbeline's more than this not one. The incense, incest play, right? No, like, that's Pericles. Cymbeline. That was Pericles. Cymbeline is no, That's Troilus and Cressida with, it with incest uncle or whatever. That's rape uncle. In- that's right. That was uncle. Yeah. Don't, no, you can uncle they should get together. I'll just watch from the corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't you two bang while I watch? Mary Wives mm. is at my bottom. I really I don't like Mary Wives at all. Yeah. Love's Labor's Lost is I don't, at my yeah, bottom. Yeah, but you're giving, like, away, you're giving away great content for later. We're going to have to argue about all these. Look. And Event- you've also named Ooh. like more than five for yeah. your bottom five. So yeah, this is this is ah. for a later episode. 
Best I chase. made my chin disappear for that. I know we need we need, to, we need to release the Zoom recording video at some point. Uh, no, because my chin keeps every time I get pissed at something, I'm like, mm, and my chin goes away. Well, my actual chin goes Zoom away, does and the four chins video as well as it, it as audio. It can so. I typically don't because I don't need that ever. <laughs> ever? No, you don't. I will come and talk. Whoever Patreon exclusive. I will zoom with whoever wants to pay for that. And you can see my chins disappear when I get upset. Oh, there, there we go. There's a quarantine Patreon exclusive. You pay us enough you can money. Choose, and... choose your, your host of Shakespeare to argue with. You can make a level of Patreon that is, I will zoom with someone. We can record it and it will be an, oh, honey, entire conversation about whatever topic they want. Whether I'm right or wrong, I can bullshit anything. Yeah. We can. <laughs> Look, we can figure it out. Yeah. All right, so... I'm good, I'm good. If you would like me to take you down a notch about anything in the Western canon... It, yeah. Ugh, that's not we, true, because I, I have not read any Conrad. Oh, uh, no Joseph Conrad? No Heart of Darkness? No. Fuck Heart of Darkness. No, I'm not but yet, interested. yet you have read Tess of the Dubervilles. I have. I really love Thomas Hardy. I've read... I have read... All of Thomas Hardy. That is my one my f- bullshit that period of English lit. You should read Far From the Maddening Crowd is one of my favorites. I love Thomas Hardy. Oh, no. Fact, Thomas Hardy's fine. Favorite, Thomas Hardy's fine. He's Just one of my Bronte's favorite poets. Austin suck. He's one of my... The, there's a... Thomas I wasn't Hardy even part of this conversation. Box, which I wasn't is looking at fantastic. you. I was looking at Beth. Yeah, but when you call out one of them on Austin, you're calling out both of them. Well, yeah, but that's because oh. Jane Austen sucks. I am so used no. to... No. No. I'm so used to people spitting shit at Jane Austen who have never read any of it. I have. I had to. What? What? I What'd tried read? to read fucking Sense and Sensibility. Tried. tried. Yeah. Which means you didn't finish it. Yeah, because it's terrible. And also, that one's terrible, because Edward Ferris is a shit. He is. I want to better Brandon one. to end up with Eleanor. Me too. Pride, Pride and Prejudice is not any better. Yes, it is. Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice is better. Northanger Abbey is amazing. I had a really good night the other night, Cassie, and I thought of you the entire time. I cross-stitched and watched Northanger Abbey, the newer one. Is well, you don't watch the one from the 80s. It's hot garbage. Are you and kidding? Not even I own it. Of course. I've seen it. It is but terrible. I, but anyway. I, also, <laughs> but anyway. I own it. It's terrible. Uh, but anyway. Um. Yeah, so have we exhausted... Yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> this play is. I do. Coriolanus blows. There are. I a have a of, Shakespeare. Keep going, Brian. There Go are a lot of really good moments in this play. We have not touched on uh, much about the speeches um, that Coriolanus and Telesophidius give to each other. Like, we touched a little bit on them as we went but through, the, those, but a lot of them those, are circle jerky. Those are really good speeches when they are delivered, when they are not just words on a page. When they are read, it is a lot like thwacking the general. Well, no, that's totally that's totally different. You thwack the general by yourself. Uh, I think that's something that can be a group event. I think that Coriolanus oh, and Jesus <laughs> proved it. Sorry, I. This is in poor taste. Speaking of, oh look, Cassie, Cassie just died. In, in, it may be in poor taste. Killed my wife. Of, speaking of thwacking the general. Um, oh, we're. I'm excited for this. Are we going to get our adult content? Uh, Fred. Fred Willard. Yeah. Yeah, Fred Willard died. I was really sad. I am. Yeah, it's a bummer. And, Thwacking the general I, made me think of it, of course, because of his infamous run-in with the law in, in 2012. I'm gonna have to watch Wally tomorrow. I, but I love Fred Willard. He was a treasure. Um, Best in Show is his my favorite. Oh man, Best in Show is one real good. Uh, he is one of the was one of the most hilarious uh, comedic character actors out there. Um, so yeah, really sad. I mean, he played always that. the same character, but it was amazing every time. Every yeah. time, yes. every freaking time. Um, and but yeah, so sorry. Thwacking the general made me think of that. Thwacking the yeah. Well, he wouldn't have to. Yeah, I think he'd like. That. I always go with Pee Wee Herman when we talk about public thwacking of the general. <laughs> yep. Well, that's because that's because Pee Wee Herman, uh, Paul Rubens, like really got 
fucking raked over the coals for that whole scenario. And Fred Willard leaned into it and everybody was just like, yeah, whatever. And he was like 78 years old when he did it. It's like, is this going to end my career? I don't give a fuck. He's like, I'm 78. Who cares? Well, so I have. Our, so yeah, yeah, I think I think right. we're done now. So on that note, well, about... I've got a I've got a different note to end oh, okay. on. Um, right. uh, it's Thank not you. it's not Coriolanus related, but it is Shakespeare related. I promised I'd give a shout out. Um, I just finished reading. It just finished getting posted online. Um, it's called Sign No More, and you can find it on Tumblr. And it is a modernization of Much Ado About Nothing that is told exclusively through social media posts and text conversations. Hmm. Ooh, fun. Interesting. Um, where the girls are a band called Hero and the Villains, <laughs> and the boys are a band called Dogberry, <laughs> and they're both opening for um, Pedro Prince, who is the, the headliner. And so it's these... I'm very disappointed <laughs> in those names. I'm sorry. It's the dog these three is, bands. Fucking Dogberry is an awesome punk band name. Yeah. And so it's these three uh, bands going on tour together when all of this stuff starts happening um, and going down. And so it's it's really beautifully done. Um, the girl who wrote it, Laura, she uh, did all of these wonderful graphics for it, where she gives all the characters like Instagram pages and does text conversations between them and like she'll have pages out of a magazine interview that she put together and it looks like a spread from like entertainment weekly um so the graphics are really really well done really nicely done but uh she just wrapped the whole thing up and so it's on tumblr signomore.tumblr.com um the whole thing she's in the process of getting it up on ao3 as well so you can like read through it as a story uh, with all the graphics on AO3, and it was really, really impressively uh, well done. I enjoyed the whole thing. I enjoyed all of her interpretations on the characters, and um, it's very diverse representation in terms of sexual orientation and uh, race representation, and it's just really, really, I enjoyed the whole thing. And I have very high standards for Much Ado Adaptations. Um, okay. So check that out because it's definitely worth a read, yeah. for sure. I just tried to search for it on well. Tumblr, and there's a whole lot of Monfort and Sons shit on me. <laughs> oh no, there absolutely is. Let me. Oh get yeah, well actual. yeah, that is yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think the account is actually called Sinomore, if I'm remembering. Yeah, it was Sinomore Tours. I think is the one I sent the closest. But I'll have to go look for that. That sounds pretty cool, actually. But um. Oh oh. I forgot. I was going to tell you about. I want to post it on this thingy. Let me find it again. So the there is an author. Her name is Anne. Where did I lose it? Well, well, Beth Anne is... Carson. Okay. So Anne Carson, she did an incredible adaptation. And I use the word adaptation to mean, I mean, she's doing the translation and then an adaptation on top of it to make it make sense of the both the Orestes and um, a lot of Greek tragedy. Oh, yeah. And it is gorgeous. My cousin turned me on to it. It is amazing. I'll check that out. And please do, do. So um, all of grief lessons... From uh, Euripides, she's done. She's done the Orestes. It's just, they're beautiful. It's so beautiful. As far as poetry goes, so often we get these translations that the poetry somehow gets lost. The meter gets lost. The rhyme gets lost. And she really delivers it. It's Seamus Haney worthy. Oh, yeah. I love Seamus Haney. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's the best I've read. And let's, I, I don't read a ton of Greek tragedy. Because I don't have time <laughs> in all of my rereads of Harry Potter lately. But yeah, that's valid. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, Sino More Tour is the Sino, Tumblr name. Sino More Tour. Did a quick, 
when I did a quick flick through, that's what it looked like. That's that's pretty I awesome. I think that's about it. Um, I think that's about it for this play. Well, we talked we, about a lot of things that weren't this play. Quick, <laughs> quick shout out. Um, if you haven't been following along with Patrick Stewart's Twitter during all of this, he has been doing a sauna today uh, video. So if you like Shakespearean sonnets and you want to hear them read by Patrick Stewart, um, why on, wouldn't you get on Twitter? Check that out. Is- um, and today he had a special guest, uh, social distance away. Um, Jonathan Frakes. Number one. Yeah. Number one, um, came and read the sonnet. Uh, they took a video together of, of Jonathan Frakes reading the sonnet. So if you love Shakespeare's sonnets and you love Patrick Stewart, these things go hand in hand. I came so close to Jonathan Frakes once. I loved him. And, uh, so, yeah, I think, I mean, this is a, this is a romance, uh, between two men the play itself is not a romance but it is the it is about there is one scene in one act that is a romance well it's a political drama with a romantic subplot in which you will like nobody i don't know i like telesophidius it's because you played him that didn't hurt but i like him anyway um no, so there's, yeah, there are things that are not great about it, but it is not, uh, worthy of being called the anus play. That <laughs> it's only called the anus play because it's in the name. That's all. But that's the only mention it gets in abridged, and I think that's a disappointment. There are other plays that get short. N- no, nothing is, yeah. nothing gets shrifted the way that Coriolanus does. That's what of Athens. All of the histories in a football game. Yeah, but yes. the, there's that's way more content than oh, we're not doing the anus play. Lear gets the only mention of Lear is there's a penalty called for not a real king on the field. That's it. That's still better than it's we're about not the doing same. the anus play. Not doing the anus play. All right, but anyway, yes. So I don't, I don't think we can get any further with this one this time around. What are we doing next? Twelfth night. Oh, yay! Bye bye. <laughs> Revenge like of the play. Ryan. I like this play, so we can play the opposite game next time, Ryan. God, because yeah, I get to be the one that hates it. My and I, and I, I, read it bef- I, I decided I hated it after watching it and reading it. So Chase can contribute one, next time, though. One and I, I, and I can be the one, one who likes it because I was so no. in it. I did. It was many. I found one thing I liked. I liked many. All right. Uh, but we're getting down to it. We've only got four plays left. After Twelfth Night, or is that legit? Like, no, Twelfth have- Night. There's only four. Yeah, Twelfth Night, Night Taming, Hamlet, and Mackers. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We gotta start thinking about what's next. I well, can't. we've got a lot yeah. of things to go after this, like Friarside Chats and... Uh, Look, yeah. <laughs> I love Friarside Chats! your fault, baby. It's your fault. <laughs> I it's did it to best. myself. The Shakespeare Friars <sighs> Club. But uh, we also, I mean, you know, there are plenty of other classics to talk about as well. We also have to um, do. We also have to do um, another path Shakespeare, where look, Chase runs us in um, the Shakespeare theatrical universe. Look, I am. That is on the can list of things it, for I me to add to Duodecimus. You can use. Don't worry, I, I, it is on the list for Duodecimus. Um, but yeah, but, so there's a lot of stuff coming forth, but we still have, we still have, uh, you know, this is, we have five months, right? Cause this, this set of recordings and then four more plays. We have at least five months of content, um, before we start branching out. I mean, we also have sonnets and things like that, mm. but yeah, um, It'll get real interesting here soon when we, uh... Run out of plays. When we finish season one. When we finish... Well, I, will also be I think this is yeah, the end of season one. two. <laughs> it would also be interesting to go back through 
eventually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. After a couple of years, no reason not to and I think go back through with a better... Some good compare and contrast things that we can do as yeah, well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what Ryan has to say about them when he's 50. I mean, I'm still going to hate Romeo and Juliet and Twelfth Night. I'll probably hate them more then. Oh, because you'll be crankier? Yeah, I mean, it'll hard to be crankier, but yeah. I I believe in you, Brian. I have faith. Heck is empty, and all the spicy boys are here. I love me some spicy boys. And on that note... We cue the music. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Ryan Hathaway. I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Chase Greenley. This has been Shakespeare Podcast. <laughs> well, it, Say goodnight. It's been Shakespeare. Say goodnight, John Boy. Good night, good night, John, John Boy. Boy. This has been a Ghostlight Media Production.